happy girl. Hello, friends, and welcome back to another podcast of Women at the Well Ministries, where we believe that all of us have to come to Jesus like the woman at the well in John chapter 4. Our highest priority is making God real in your life. Whether you are listening in our app, in your favorite podcasting app, or on our website at watwm.org, we invite you to sit down with us as we look to the scriptures to learn more about God and to strengthen your daily walk with Jesus Christ. The child of God has the Holy Spirit dwelling within them. This in itself should make every born-again believer different from those who do not have the Holy Spirit living within them, the unsaved. As children of God, we have been given unmerited favor for the deliverance from sin resulting in eternal salvation. Join us in this podcast of Women at the Well Ministries as Kim Miller takes us on a journey through the scriptures, revealing the obligation every born-again believer has to train to reject ungodliness, forsake worldly desires, and to live spiritually devout in this present world. Hello, and thank you for joining us in this podcast of Women at the Well Ministries. And what, a, what an absolute pleasure it is to know that we have a God that loves us, and He loves us so much that He allows us to have an understanding of how we are to live. And, you know, a lot of people shy away from the concept of holiness or godliness. And, you know, that's a topic people don't like to talk about. And and part of the reason that people don't like to talk about it is, well, it requires some effort on our part. Our salvation is free, and we are told that in Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. And it's a free gift, and it is truly a gift. Because salvation keeps us from spending eternity in hell, which is what every individual deserves. It's the sin debt that has to be paid. And Jesus Christ, because of his love for us, chose to die on the cross of Calvary and shed his sinless, perfect blood so that you and I might go free. But you must believe in him to receive this gift of salvation. But what's interesting to me is, though Jesus gave himself, and God gave his most precious gift, which was his son, and we receive this pardon for our sins that is nearly impossible for us to fully comprehend the greatness of that gift. Yet there are some people who neglect the responsibilities that come with being a child of the Most High God. And we're going to read a couple of passages in your hearing and then really just take a walk through the scriptures as we begin to learn that the salvation that Jesus gives us imparts into us the Holy Spirit. And having the Holy Spirit in our lives makes us different from those that don't have the Holy Spirit in our lives. We have part of the Trinity living in us as born-again believers in Jesus Christ, teaching us, instructing us, comforting us, directing us, 
convicting us, correcting. But for some people, they've turned a deaf ear to the Holy Spirit. And I believe that's not only a dangerous way to live, it is the wrong way. And Jesus really rewards those who follow after his commandments. So let's read a couple of passages in your hearing, and I want to open up with just sort of a, a precursor to our, our study. Our study is going to be in Titus 2, 11 through 14. But I want to turn your attention to Romans 12, 1 and 2. And it says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. So when you have done those things, presenting yourself to the Lord, submitting yourself to the Lord, that he may exalt you in due time. When you have put your trust and lean not on your own understanding, and you're allowing God to be king of kings in your life and Lord of your hearts, that is your reasonable surface. And he also says that we're to be holy. Now, holiness isn't something that is just reserved for one denomination. Holiness isn't something that is just for a select few people. The Lord says clearly in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, that we are to present our bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God. And then he refers to that as our reasonable service. In verse 2, he says, And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed. That right there tells us that those who have the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of them are going to be different than those who do not. We are transformed. The scriptures tell us that old things are passed away and behold, all things have become new because we are no longer servants of sin. Because of Jesus and his salvation and the Holy Spirit within us and the power of God upon our lives, we are no longer servants of sin. Sin no longer has dominion over us. But we are more than conquerors, as we are told in Romans 8.37. When we go further into verse 2 of chapter 12, he says this, that we're to be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove that is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. God's plan for our life is for us to be different than the world. We're to be salt, which gives a distinguishing flavor. It separates us from the world. We're to be the light of the world, which separates us from darkness. Even the smallest flame or bit of light will push out darkness, and you can see it from a long distance. Light is powerful, and that's what we're to be in this dark, sinful, wicked world. So as we look into what God is saying to us when he says that we are to be a light and we're to be salt, what he's saying is we're to be a peculiar person. We're to be different from the world. We're to stick out like a sore thumb. And so this brings us to our text for today, 
which is Titus chapter 2, verses 11 through 14. And they read like this. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people zealous of good works. Let's just do an overview of this before we really dive deep into Titus 2, 11 through 14. And it's the grace of God. Grace is unmerited favor. And his grace is what gives us salvation. His willingness to die on the cross of Calvary. And he says that this salvation, the grace of salvation has appeared to all men. And this is what salvation teaches us. It says, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust. We are to deny the flesh. We are to deny the things of the world. We are to deny the works of the devil. We are to deny the things that the flesh would desire because we are new creatures. And instead, we should live soberly and righteously and godly. We're to be righteous people. His righteousness is imputed into us when we become children of God. And we are to live out that righteousness as we follow the commandments and the will of Jesus. It's not us. It's Jesus in us that enables us to be more than conquerors. And greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world, according to 1 John 4, 4. And he says we are to live godly and righteously. And he gives us all that we need to do that. And listen, he says to do that in this present world. I can't tell you the number of people who have told me, well, when I get to heaven, I'll be changed and I have a perfect body and that's when I'm going to live righteous. Well, if you get there, that will be true. But that better not be your first experience with living righteous and godly because I'm going to tell you something out of love not out of hate not in a condescending way but if you don't have the righteousness of God in you then my friend you're not saved because he imputes his righteousness to us he said that he was made to be sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him in 1 Corinthians 5.21. So all we're doing when we live out the righteousness, which is our reasonable service, according to Romans 12.1 and 2, is we're letting Jesus live through us. That's all he's saying. And he can do this in this present world because this is the place he's called us to be the light. This is the place he's called us to be the salt of the earth. This is the place that he's told us to be his witness. When we're on the other side in heaven, we do not need to win anyone for Christ. Only those who have given their life to him and whose name is found written in the Lamb's Book of Life is going to be there. The gospel of salvation will not need to be preached 
to the lost because there'll be no lost in heaven. This is your only opportunity to spread the word. And you have no promise of tomorrow. And so this present time truly is the only moment you have to tell somebody about Jesus, to show someone who Jesus is. So it's this present world. And it tells us that when we have the Holy Spirit dwelling in us, when we've received salvation, that we have this joy in us. Because it allows us to be looking for the hope, the hope of Jesus Christ. Jesus loves me. This I know. And he says, looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God. There's only one true living God. And we as Christians have full access to him through Jesus, his son, and the Holy Spirit that dwells in us. It's their righteousness in us that makes us righteous and allows us to stand before the Lord in right standing. It's not about works of righteousness, which we have done, but it's the finished work on Calvary that he has done. It's time that we understand who God is and who we are in him and the responsibility we have to resemble him, to be Christ-like. That's what Christian means. And these scriptures tell us exactly that the reason he gave himself for us is because he loved us. We see that in John 3.16. But when he gave himself for us, he did it so that he might redeem us from all iniquity, that we would no longer have any dependence upon sin or any penalty of sin and purify unto himself a peculiar people. That's those people who are just different. They don't go along with the world. They're kind of a little awkward in worldly situations. They've died to the flesh and are living and crucifying the flesh daily and living for Jesus. See, for the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. The grace of God is an unmerited favor, a remarkable blessing. It's something we didn't deserve. It's a goodness that's just given to us. And God didn't stop blessing us when he gave us his son. Daily, we are loaded with the benefits. In Psalm 68, 10, 19, he says, Blessed be the Lord, who daily loadeth us with benefits, even the God of our salvation. He gives us salvation, and then daily he gives us blessing after blessing after blessing. There's showers of blessings on each of us, saved and unsaved alike. But the saved understand that walking in the will of God produces a life of blessing and favor from God. He cannot bless an unclean vessel. He tells us that teaching us, that denying ungodliness 
and worldly lusts that we should live soberly and righteously and godly in this present world. Friend, we need to be trained in the word of God. The Bible says in 2 Timothy 2.15 that we're to study to show ourselves approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. We need to train ourselves and discipline ourselves to reject and renounce all ungodliness. We can't tolerate even a speck of it. We need to reject worldly, fleshly desires. And we need to train ourselves to live sensible, self-controlled lives that are upright and devout and spiritually whole. In essence, we need to live with a purpose that reflects our spiritual maturity. Some of you are claiming to be Christians for decades, and you're still on the sincere milk of the word. You can't even get a good hunk of meat in your teeth because you don't understand the basics. He has written the greatest love letter from Genesis to Revelations that you might know him and you might know his character and you might understand his promises that you could claim them, that you might be able to walk in his ways, that you can live a life that is pleasing by the Holy Spirit in you that is going to enable you and walk with you. Yet you turn your eyes away from Jesus. There's a price to pay for that. There's a cost associated with living in the world. In fact, in James 4, 4, he says, ye adulterers and adulteresses. That's what he calls people who have Christ in them, yet they mingle and dabble in the world. He says, ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever, therefore, will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. And I submit to you that you're not living a Christian life and doing worldly things. And if you can habitually do wrong and habitually transgress against God, then I would ask you to seriously consider if you have received Christ as Savior. Have you truly put your trust in him, or did you just say a few words to get somebody to hush up? Did you just raise your hand in church just so that everybody would think you're all right to go along to get along? Or did you ask the Lord into your heart and repent of your sins and turn away and give God his rightful place on the throne of your heart. Friend, if the world holds more pleasure for you and more attraction for you than the things of God, you've got your priorities messed up. And my guess is you're not rooted and grounded in the word of God, and you most likely have not made your calling and election sure. Now, that may not sound nice to you, but it's the most loving thing that someone's going to say to you today. Because I love you enough to let you know that there is a difference between being saved and not being saved. That though we cannot buy our salvation and we cannot work for our salvation, James is clear that because we are saved, we will want to work for the Lord. We will want things of God more than we want things of the world. And we must train ourselves to allow ourselves to hear the voice of God, to heed the voice of God, and to desire the voice of God. 1 Peter 1.16 says, Because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. And perhaps to drive that point of you can't serve two masters and you can't be saying you're a Christian and living for the devil, 
might be better if you took a good look at Matthew 6, 24, which says to us, no man can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon, or you cannot serve God and the devil. Luke says that he will spew you out of his mouth if you are lukewarm and have not made a decision to choose him above all other. The choice is yours. He's standing with open arms. He wishes that none would perish, but that all should come to repentance. But our lives need to reflect the power of God in it. In Galatians 5, 18 through 26, I'm going to walk you through this passage because I want you to see the difference between being a born-again believer child of God who has claimed Jesus as Savior and a person who is living for the flesh. In Galatians 5, 18 through 26, he says, But if you be led of the Spirit, ye are not under the law. Now watch this. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. These are the things of the flesh. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, adultery, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, Strife, seditions, and heresies. Envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like. So if your sin didn't make the list, anything that is driven by the devil, that has its place in darkness, that is wrong, that is sin, and that are the things that should not be in the lives of, of those who claim to be born again, washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. He goes on to say, Of the which I tell you before, as I've also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. So if your life is fixated and filled with the world, with the desires of the flesh, with sinful, wicked activities, It's not me telling you you're not saved. It's the word of God saying you're not going to inherit the kingdom of God. And John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So when you believe in him and when you get saved and you become a new creature and old things are passed away and your life is transformed by the renewing of your mind and you do that which is acceptable and pleasing to the Lord, you're not going to be found doing these other things. It's simple, reasonable, and factual. So don't fall prey to an easy salvation. Don't hang your hat on religion. Hell is full of religious people. Hell is full of people that know the Bible better than many Christians. It's not about how much Bible you know. It's about how you live it. It's about how you let it transform you. It's about what you think about Jesus Christ. He goes on in verse 22 to say, but the fruit of the Spirit is this. So those were the things that you see in the lives of somebody who is not a born-again believer. But here are the things that you see in a born-again, washed-in-the-blood, changed and transformed, saved man or woman of God. 
But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperaments. Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and the lust. Let's do that one again. Everybody listen, and I'm going to say it loud for those in the back. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, and faith, meekness, and temperaments. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lust. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Friend, he's clear. We are to be holy as he is holy. As we look at Titus 2, 11 through 14, in verse 13, he says, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Waiting and confidently looking and expecting for the fulfillment and the realization of the blessed hope the one and true living God, expecting him to come again, understanding he's our great God. And more importantly, he's our savior. He's the Messiah, the anointed one. In Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, he says this, wherefore seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, before the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Do you know what he was looking for? you know what the joy was in this verse? the salvation of me and you. In all of his pain and all of his agony, his love is so strong, his purpose so great, that it was joy for him to offer you the opportunity to receive him. He willingly gave himself to be crucified. That last verse of, this passage that I'm reading you says, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. All you had to do was believe and receive. The least you could do is demonstrate it. Allow him to have his perfect way and his will in your life. He redeemed and purchased our freedom from sin, from all iniquity and wickedness. That we could be his chosen people who were peculiar, but his own, easily identifiable by the way we walk and the way we talk and the way we act. He gave himself, we're told in John 3, 16. I read that in your hearing earlier. 
I spoke to you about 2 Corinthians 5.21, which he said, For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. And Romans 5.8 lays it out. But God commendeth his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We are to be godly, to live righteously, and to be peculiar. Who are peculiar people? What are they? They're eager and enthusiastic. They're committed to living a life that is good and filled with good deeds. Galatians 6, 9 gives us a great warning. It says, be not weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Maybe some of you are just a little weary. I've got good news. Jesus is still on the throne. He's still in control, and he loves you, and he's coming back again to receive you unto himself, that where he is, you may be also. And the opening of that passage in John chapter 14 is, we're not to be troubled. Let not your heart be troubled. He is coming back, and he is building you a mansion. As we look at the 14th verse of Titus chapter 2, and he talks about these peculiar people, and we think about what that means, we got to be doing good deeds. We got to be doing the things that God is asking us to do. We need to be trained and disciplined. We need to be zealous of good works. In Acts chapter 10, verse 38, he went about doing good all the time. That's what Jesus did. He healed people, he healed the oppressed, he removed devils from people. He was always providing their needs, and he was always doing good. That's a peculiar person, living for others instead of themselves. And so as we begin to close this message on being a peculiar person, let's sum it up with this. We are born-again believers with Jesus Christ shedding his blood for us, and we've received it. He's given us the Holy Spirit to dwell and live within us. So now we need to do what he says in Matthew 6, 33, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. When you put him first, when you seek him, when you receive his righteousness and walk in it, everything else in your life will fall into place. You'll have all that you need. He supplies all of your needs. You'll have the strength to do what he asks you to do, even when you feel like you can't. Because he'll give it to you. Jesus is the source of all things, especially our salvation for all who believe and accept him as Savior. You have access to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And in John 14, 6, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man cometh unto the Father but by me. There's no other way to him, no other way to God, but through Jesus Christ, his Son. And his love is endless. It's unconditional. His power is unmatched and cannot be defeated. And his grace is abundant. And his mercy is everlasting. And friend, that love that he bestows upon you 
allows you to receive him as Savior. And when you receive him, he makes his home in you. And that, my friend, makes you a peculiar person, different than the world. And your love for him should make being zealous for good works a no-brainer. Remember you are loved. Jesus loves you. Thank you for joining us in today's podcast. You can visit the show notes for quotes from today's podcast and scripture references. We pray today has been a blessing and we encourage you to reach out to us through our app, our website, or our Facebook page. You can find our app by searching for Woman at the Well Ministries in your app store or through our website at watwm.org. We're on Facebook at facebook.com slash watwm. If you visit our website, you'll be able to subscribe to Bible Bits, a daily devotion written by Kim and delivered Monday through Friday by text message. Woman at the Well Ministries is a nonprofit organization dedicated to serving our Heavenly Father. And it is through your loving and generous support that our ministry continues to bless others. To learn how to partner with Woman at the Well Ministries, please visit our website. Thank you to the gospel group Fudge Creek for letting us use their hit song, Happy Girl. We greatly appreciate your prayers. We are praying daily for our listeners. Remember that God loves you. You are loved. Happy girl.